Okay, so Matt, I have a really important question for you here, dude. Um, is it true that Popeye's, one of the great American establishments, ran out of chicken tonight? Not tonight, but that is a um, very famous myth in the black community. About two, three years ago, y'all might remember, Popeye's released a four for four, three for four chicken deal. Get a lot of chicken for the cheap. Ran out of chicken the same day. Makes a whole lot of sense to me. You only have so much chicken in the store anyway. My people were not happy. I see. I, I feel like that's just like, what if mattress firm is like, hey, so we ran out of mattresses, homie. Like you could just buy like a pillow and that's it. Or you got like a podcast that, you know, like takes weeks off for no apparent reason on end. Speaking of which, podcasters who take weeks off for no reason on end. I'm here with my boy, Justice. What's up, guys? And we're Pod Wars. We like to talk about nerdy stuff. And this week, we're going to be covering a little bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier. But Justice, can you kind of introduce the people to our nice guest today? Yeah, I got my good friend from high school. His name is Matt. Um, you got a social you want to shout out? Not at all. Just here for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Matt's been a good friend. We've went to high school. I th- we went elementary school, right? Uh, probably preschool. Preschool, yeah. I think like, we're, you know, peeing in diapers next to each other. All For sure. So. <laughs> that, that's the, the comparison you give the people here, dude. <laughs> Just that's how long, you know, that's how long we've been together, you know, friends. Friends for life. And this is why I don't have socials to share. I don't want you guys to think I'm <laughs> pissing in diapers with Justice still. But um, yeah, it's my guy. I've known him forever, as long as I can remember. All right, Matt. So before we kind of dive into the Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, got a couple questions just to you know, kind of let everyone know who you are. Uh, give us a little, you know, background experience on you know, video games, comics, anime. Like why, why we thought you'd be great to be on this podcast. That's actually a question I'm still trying to find the answer to. But um, longtime anime JRPG fan, so uh, when it comes to video games, all things comics, even if I am not familiar, I'm open to it. Um, been watching anime, reading manga for a really, really long time. Fan of the MCU, um, fan of all things comics. Actually, just talking to Justice about hopping in here because, man, some of these comic covers and art styles is ridiculous. Um, so I guess because of that and that background, you know, thought you guys might think I'd be good for a convo. Plus, um, I've seen Falcon and Winter Soldier, all episodes. Absolutely fantastic. And Marvel can have all my money, y'all. <laughs> for sure. I definitely um, am super hyped about how this show is turning out. And I definitely know there's podcasts, you know, Earlier that if you guys go back and check out, or shout out to telling us, telling you guys to go check out earlier podcasts. Anyway, um, I, I definitely said I wasn't excited about this show, and I, it's turning out to be a spectacular thing. That being said, we just want to apologize, let you guys know we're trying to get episodes out. We got Gary, he's got his test coming up next week, and I'm getting my ass kicked by life, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll get through it. <laughs> but leave a five-star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Just a pick-me-up for Justice. <laughs> Be like, hey, Justice, you got a really cool Marvel Zombies shirt on right now. I do. And we want to acknowledge that. Wolverine. I don't Venom. know why you know that in the comments, but hey. Tell me your favorite Marvel Zombies character. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll just tell you, I love that um, we want you to give a five-star review for the shirt you can't see at all. But trust us, it's worth it. Trust us, it's worth it. So I think today, you know, in the past, um, we've kind of gone over, we like step-by-step walk through episodes or movies or whatnot. And we'll do that for the comic that we're going to talk about later. But 
we're just gonna have a discussion on you know the past couple episodes i don't remember what we've covered already but because we i think we talked about the first two and now we're getting into episodes three and episode four for sure don't know did we cover two i don't know it doesn't matter anyway what should we kick it off guys okay um let's see i got questions i'm gonna read them off to you guys we're gonna start with the first one who do you guys think is the power broker i i i was wondering your thoughts with this dude because you were teasing match report and all that with me um i you had a theory that it's basically um one of the terrorist group essentially right uh no i don't think it's one of the terrorist groups i think it's sharon carter I think she's mm. the power broker because the the whole episode they keep on saying, you know, he's this, he's the power broker. He, 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 and they keep on like really emphasizing that it's guy, but then, you know, like she gets around all these areas. She like knows all these people. Like she has like all these like, you know, contacts. She has these satellites. I mean, sure. There are, you know, some assassins that are trying to shoot at her, but the, it's just suspicious at the very end of when, after they get, you know, away from the doctor that gets shot um, by Zemo, she's like, "I got inform, I got, we got things to talk about." And like, she like gets in the car and like she has an assistant. Like, I think she's either working for him or she is the power broker. I had to make that noise because that was my face. I had no idea who she was. I really like that theory though, because um, I think it makes sense. So, watching the episode, I kind of was following the same train of thought as you, Justice. I was like. How does she have all this contacts and all this stuff already? Wasn't she CIA or FBI? Something like that? She was a government agent. Okay, so she was a government agent. And I was like, she'll have some contacts, but she's really walking around Madripoor like she runs it, like she owns it. Mind you, maybe people don't know she's a power broker, but really, really, really intrigued by that theory. I, I'm still betting on it's going to be some some random new character. Um maybe a tie into X-Men, but I also don't know much about Magipore and their X-Men deal. But I, I I just think Sharon Carter overall is like I don't know, she's just not <laughs> very likable in this episode. She's joining the group of people who are kind of hating on Cap and hating on his legacy. And I'm like, you're just jealous that he'd rather be with your aunt instead of you. Wow, that shot's fired. I think it's more of the fact that she didn't get cleared, and they did. And But yes, yeah, Gary. <laughs> I'm still leaning to my theory. I'm learning so much about this episode. They've seen it multiple times, guys. I've seen it once. So I didn't pick that up, but no, Justice. She's absolutely mad. Cat wants to clap those cheeks and not hers. <laughs> absolutely. That's why she's really upset. I, I was like, ah, it's because, like Gary said, it's because she didn't get cleared, and they did, and she's got some no. This is all because all of Cat. In her horniness. Or she's trying to rectify in her brain the fact that I had sexual feelings for, you know, that like older gentleman who was always hanging out around my Aunt Peggy all the time growing up. Actually, wait, no. Was it even, it wasn't in the same timeline, was it? Because I always wonder if Sharon saw Steve when she was hanging out with Peggy Carter and was like, oh yeah, this is just my uncle, like, my uncle Bob. Are we getting? Is it? Is it? Is it her aunt? I don't know. Or I thought it was her grandma. I'm not sure. Either way, it's I think still... it's her. I, I'm pretty sure it's her aunt. But oh, I also called Gore Gorg the last time and said Henry Cavill was a virgin. So like my fact checks are completely off. That's all right. Uh, all right. So on to the next thing. What do you guys think of Carly blowing up the building in episode three? Um, what are your What are your thoughts, Matt? 
so morally, I obviously have a problem with it. I feel like she killed some innocent people. What was it? Three dead, 11 injured, something like that. Um, morally not right from a writing standpoint, though. Um, I love that they... I love that they let her step off the cliff a little bit as far as uh, doing something really reckless and really dangerous. So I feel like they were really tying the towing the line with her as far as is she good? Is she bad? Is there redeeming qualities about her? This, that, and the third. Um, and then they just let her step all the way off and like, no, she's going to blow up a building and we'll see how you guys feel about this and um, we'll go on from there. So I didn't like it morally from a writing standpoint. I'm really glad that they let her do something this reckless, this bad, this fill in the blank. Yeah, to me, it's so I, when I saw her in the f second episode or the first episode, I can't remember. All I could think of is the character, and she's kind of almost playing the same character that she did in Han Solo. But at this point, when she finally, you know, starts to, she, you know, when she blows up, it like kind of turns into like, no longer am I helping the innocent people. I'm going for my own gain and i'm gonna I, I think essentially she's kind of you know being the powers of that she's like you know trying to take down what do you think Gary? well i think it goes back to if you think of the first captain america movie he mentioned how the super soldier serum makes you just more of who you already are and so for steve rogers it made him more of just the self-sacrificial caring brave guy on each super soldier i'm like what is it making them more of so, like, John Walker obviously made him more of an ass. And he's already a little bit of an ass, so it kind of amplified that alongside of his, you know, soldier strength. Um, for her, I think it could be a good element of kind of envy of those su supremacist powers, you know? Uh, she doesn't just hate them. She kind of wishes she was them. And I think there's more, it's enhancing some darker side within her that's beyond just the front she's giving as this kind of helpful person. Totally agree. Um, I think they wrote her initially, again, as a sort of, I won't say morally ambiguous, but they call her a terrorist, but you understand where she's coming from and the people she's trying to help. Um, whatever, as the serum begins to take over, as more of herself gets amplified. Um, some of her darker tendencies, um, some of the envy, some of the grudges that she holds, I think, start to come out. And I think that was a manifestation of it. So I guess that begs the question, is she a supremacist? Like Zemo keeps on talking about, you know, with super soldier serums, there's going to be, you know, su supremacist on whoever side, you know, get you got the Avengers, you got whatever, like the Hydra doing their thing. Um, is her actions, you know, does that lead you to think that she is one? Well, I'd, I'd kind of even take it a step back because you mentioned Zemo in there too of Zemo. He brings up a good, a cool thought process on how inherently this idea of super soldiers is going to lead to more issues because they become a, they're one power beyond just a normal human being can wield. And that's hard to have in the hands of anyone. And then the idea of they create this symbol that isn't always symbol, really symbolizing what they claim it's doing. Um, I was kind of was kind of thinking when Zemo was bringing that up of kind of like super soldier serum is only good in the hands of Steve Rogers. Like anyone else's hands, it becomes exactly like Zemo said. The only good example is someone who's truly good, like Steve. Um, but anywhere else, it immediately breeds kind of this evil, this bad symbol, this red skull type character, like Zemo says. And I think that's what's happening with her. 
is that she's kind of she's just not Steve Rogers, so she's inherently going to lead to something bad. Right. I, I think I think the writers are having her being written as like moral, like there's moral ambiguity. Um, but I think when they had that conversation after Mama Donya's funeral, and you know Sam was really like getting at her, you know, trying to really, you know, vibe with her, whatever. And it, when the, the, so at first I thought like, I, I didn't know how I felt about the explosion, whatnot, but then she has that line where she's like, they're just people in my way and I'm going to do whatever I like can. Like, sure. Sam set her up so that she would say that, but right then and there, like that leads me to believe like she's going to become a supremacist. So I would answer this. No, for now, I will see, where she ends up as the show goes on. Um, but I don't think she's a supremacist yet, but I feel like she has taken steps down um, that path to become one as of now. Um, like you said, that line of they're just people in my way, got to get rid of her bombing the building itself. Um, but I feel like up until this point, and even after there are some things, the conversation with Sam's sister, I still feel like Carly has a decent grasp on her humanity. Like, I don't think she sees herself as above the people she's trying to protect, trying to save things like that. And that's why I'm slightly confused because Sam is like, I can get behind your, you know, ideas, but I can't get behind how you're doing it. I can get behind your fight, not how you're fighting it. Right. And, and that like, I guess that just kind of confuses me a little bit. Like, not like what he's saying, but like, just like Bucky is so against it. And Sam is kind of for like, he's got, he's also getting to that area of like, moral ambiguity as well and i feel like that's been his whole character kind of the whole time with him giving up the shield and bucky being really rigid i don't know what do you guys think about that so i guess a question to answer your question is moral ambiguity a theme of this show like it so bucky sam are outlaws they're operating outside the law but as fans we know they're good guys so we're rooting for them but they've done questionable things they've got actions that we're questioning like Sam, uh, I guess you can say siding with Carly, trying to help her. I personally didn't like the fact that Sam was trying so hard to save her anyway. Even though I could understand Carly's plight, I was like, she's a bad guy that we have to stop, guys. She stole Super Soldier Serum and is a problem. And Sam sort of saw the good in her. And so, I don't know. What do y'all think? I, I think so, a little bit. Um, I, it, there's a lot that I was kind of thinking of when you're talking there, like with Sam kind of helping her, it's why he deserves to take up the mantle of Cap because he's still like, even though he has all this ambiguity around him of like, is she good? Is she evil? He's going on the moral high ground of saying like, I'm not going to let a young girl die. Somebody who's trying to do good, just die. Um but to kind of expand on that idea of moral ambiguity, I know, Justice, you were even talking about, like, with me, the themes with this show. I think it's kind of showing you have, like, two main themes or just overall main themes of you have the downtrodden that the government does not care about and abuses. And then you have Carly as kind of the sign of, okay, even if you're one of those downtrodden groups, you can become the abuser, too. Um, and so it's kind of like a, it's a terrible comparison, but I saw Sam and her talking as kind of like a MLK Malcolm X type thing of like him saying like, there's a better way to help the downtrodden and her saying like, I'll do whatever I can, even if it's difficult or terrible to help that just, um, downtrodden group. So it shows a lot of the, the, like you mentioned, ambiguity and difficulty with yeah. these kind of moral questions. 
I 100% think that's a really good comp because that was sort of the struggle between Malcolm X and uh, Dr. King. Dr. King is like, there's a better way to do this. There's a way to do it peacefully. And Malcolm X was willing to use the language that the abusers used in order to better things for them, which is what Carly's doing. I think she says that to one of her guys in the car. I think it's after she blows up the building. Um, the guy's like, there were innocent people in there. And she's like, that's the only language that they know. You know, um, it wasn't necessarily out of spite and out of a, a grudging spirit, even though I think there was one there. Um, she genuinely felt like they've been hurting us for so long. The only thing we can do to get them off us is to hurt them back equally or whatever. So great comp. And one of the things that this is just, you know, a little thing that I've been thinking about as we're talking is I don't know if you guys, listeners, if you recognize this. And I think Marvel kind of has they, they said that. There is a subplot to the show that they took out because it was too on the nose of what's going on in the world. And if you've been paying attention, like she's stealing vaccines, she's going and giving, you know, good, you know, supplies to the poor. Like it, it seems like before the pandemic, they had a pandemic going on in this show and they're like really trying to sideline that so that, you know, it doesn't like people aren't like, Oh, thanks for letting reminding me that we're in a pandemic. <laughs> it does really seem like they have that pandemic in the show. Like my first thing was with them stealing vaccines. I'm like, ah, topical, <laughs> but yeah, I, I like the themes for the last few episodes of kind of, the, the ambiguity, the different moral questions, I think, are really what is making the show shine. Um, but the action has also been really dope. So, like, we were, we were saying before in other episodes that we thought that this uh, show, compared to WandaVision, would be a little bit less cerebral, less intense themes, more just, like, beat-em-up and fun action-iness. It's, it's having more depth than that, but the action is still like center stage yeah i think i think having these extra episodes instead of like a two-hour movie is giving them the ability to really dive deep and have these other because they're still dealing with trauma they still have that you know they had the therapy in the first couple episodes and and when and i want to i'm going to bring it up now because i want to have this argument with you matt um we have more questions but we're, we're this is something that matt and i have discussed multiple times but i am bitter and upset that when Bucky and Sam are, you know, knee to knee and they're like joking around and then Bucky like basically opens up and says, you know, if if Steve was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. And Sam just like totally blows him off. Now, Bucky does need to realize that like Sam can make his own decisions and like he's not like like but the fact that like Sam blew him off makes me so mad because like the whole time they're like he's like he Sam knows like he works with these these veteran you know, heroes, he works with these people who are dealing with trauma and he knows that like Bucky's got all this going on. And then he just like, he's like, well, I'm done here. Like, I'm not going to like address like what you just said. And like, that made me so furious. So I guess the reason why it doesn't make me furious is because one, I don't feel like he blew him off in the sense of that doesn't matter. However, I hear you like that was such an important moment for Bucky in that, like in all of his therapy sessions to get to that point. That's like the issue he has with, Sam giving up the shield and all that, that's the root of it is like, I can't, because I believe, sorry, so for Bucky speaking, I believe in you, Sam, the way Cap believed in you. But if Cap is wrong about you, then who am I? Like, I'm like a murderer taken in by Hydra. I'm the worst of the worst. So if he's bad, if he's wrong about you, then like, he couldn't have been right about me. However, I 
think Sam was right still, though. Like, you've got to understand that I'm my own man, can make my own decisions, and you, if you believe in me the way Cap did, then you've got to trust that my decisions are right, or at least that they're coming from a right place. And I just don't think Sam was in a position to have that conversation with him there. Did he cut it off abruptly? Maybe. Um, but then I point to, is it episode four, maybe? Um, Zemo and the guys are going somewhere. And um, after... Um, Bucky has a little acting as the winter soldier in that bar or whatever. Sam checks on him and asks if he's okay. As they're walking out, Sam's like, Hey, are you good? And to me, that just let me know everything I needed to kind of about their relationship. Sam was like, I'm checking in on you. I'm making sure you're okay. Even though I blew you off kind of when you let me know that. And also Sam heard it. So he now knows what the root of the issue is. Was Sam willing to deal with it there in that moment? Probably not. Cause he was thinking about his own personal stuff. But him, he, like, that's going to come back later. Like, Sam's going to address that. So I didn't think he blew him off, and it didn't make me near as mad as it made justice. But great line, nonetheless. I I don't know. I'd have to kind of agree with justice. Like, uh, well, I understand why he blew him off, because they're like, we got we got things to do, and I just had to do an annoying visit with this crappy therapist. Who's, I don't even know. Who I don't know. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's, just, she's just there. And... So I get it, but also, like, every, I don't know, maybe this is my bias, but every time he's like, you good, I take that as, like, kind of like a spouse looking at their wife being like, can you calm down? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> so it's more of a, of uh, like, a screw you type patronizing right. thing. Like, yeah. like you good or you're going to lose control and suddenly become mind warped again, you know? Because even in the, even in the fourth episode, Bucky's, like, you Sam, you should tell you know Sharon to check on John Walker because he's crazy, and I know crazy because I'm crazy. So like that's why I'm like I'm like ah man I don't know again like it maybe I'm just like since I'm going through shit in life maybe that's why I like really related to that scene. But like I was just kind of like damn Sam like you're the one that like is supposed to like help you know these these soldiers go through therapy and you just you did him like that. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm not the biggest Falcon fan. I don't like Sam, but um. Yeah, I just I just didn't see it that way. I didn't see it that way. Like having watched it again, he definitely curtails that and like just doesn't does doesn't even address it. He's just like whatever, I'm done. But I still felt like you heard it. It's in your soul now. You know, and um, you'll look out for your boy. But I see. Well, okay, this kind of leads to one other question we were thinking of talking about. So you said you don't like Sam. Not yeah. So. I, I, I'm controversial idea, but Falcon is definitely being overshadowed by the other characters in his own show. I think Zemo, John Walker, um, Winter Soldier, obviously, are all getting a more interesting character development than kind of the main title character. That's definitely the way to put it. We were talking about this before the show. We were like, how do we want to work this? Is he getting outshined? Are they putting him on the back burner? Um, I feel like they're giving him enough shine, but the character development scenes and things that they're writing for him, I'm just not as intrigued as I am the other characters. Like Zemo hit the scene from, what was that, end of chapter two, where we get the picture of him in his cell, the scene of him in his cell, then yeah. episode three, they break him out. From then on, Zemo has just been a massive star to me. He's just been like, every time he's on screen, you want to know what he's going to say. You want to know what he's going to do. Um, and Falcon just hasn't had that. I Even the family issues that he's had um, only got interesting to me in episode four. I, I agree. Like, it, I don't know how to – I guess it's like they're beating a dead horse with 
Sam, where it's like, you give up the shield. This is your, you know, your thing that you're like, got to work through. But it's like, they keep on bringing it up over and over. Whereas like, Bucky's dealing with this and he's going off and doing this. Like in episode four, it was really cool watching, you know, um, uh, Aya or uh, Aya, I'm sorry about, I don't know her name, um, working on going through the words that like trigger him to go back into the Winter Soldier. Like he's going through that, breaking out Zemo and like learning more about him and like how he's a Baron and all these different things learning about Sharon and like Sam is just like the world you know the world America the world doesn't you know care about me and I gave up the shield and that's literally all I feel like that's they've been doing for Sam for Sam it's like I gave up the shield and I have a sister who owns a boat (laughs) y'all that's about it and everyone else just has all these really interesting um trials tribulations and backgrounds that they have to go through I even felt like Aya Anya what are we calling her it's A-Y-A so Aya? Aya, yeah. So what, what, what feels better to say, Aya or Aya? Aya. So we'll call her Aya. Even Aya feels more interesting to me. The scene she has with Bucky when she's going through the, whatever you want to call it, trying out the words to see if he's really free or not. By the way, dopest part of that scene to me personally was when she starts it, she gets two or three words in, and Bucky's like, this isn't going to work. And she's like, she says something like, like don't worry, I won't let you hurt anybody. Like, she just was not worried about a super soldier going completely insane. She's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll keep everybody. I don't want to cut you off from like the, off. The, your last thing that you're talking about. But, like, in that same scene, I believe that, like, there's, like, certain flashbacks you see. When she says the word homecoming, the flashback is Bucky looking at, I think, there's, like, like you see the back of your head. And I so think cool. it's Steve. And, like, that's such a cool flashback. And then he, like, starts to cry. And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Steve Rogers gets better character development on this show than Falcon does. Like he his his mark on the MCU is just still felt in every single scene. But I, I don't know, in a way this kind of like let down with Sam, I it kind of helps with the transition of him being Cap. If they just came in with him being like, Hey, I'm Cap, I'm inspiring every, Amer- America, like I'm a badass, it would we'd be like reacting to him the same way we're reacting to John Walker like screw you even though like I was we were talking while watching I'm like okay I hate this guy but had Z up to a point we'll talk about later not done anything bad yet and other than showing off some like character flaws he didn't really do anything bad quote unquote until the very end like everything else is understandable I'm so excited to talk about that scene but we we got some more questions before so like the just if you keep on listening like we got we got a few more questions and then we're just going to talk about specific scenes um and then we're going to end on a, a course of a comic of a week i know it's kind of weird that we just gave like a mini breakdown mid episode anyway we're going to keep on keep on rolling um one of the things that i kind of want to go back to is you know, we've kind of talked about, you know, supremacists and whatnot. It, but one of the things that I really appreciated about Sam. Um, okay, sorry, sorry. Two thoughts just came to my head. I don't want to. One, I do like that they gave Sam the opportunity to kind of, you know, have that conversation with Carly, kind of show his, you know, wheelhouse with that. Sorry, is that the best moment he's had this whole show? I mean, the flying in the beginning, that was kind of cool when he saves the guy from the planes. Dude, I have seen enough Iron Man. I don't need to see anybody else fly anything <laughs> metal again, but but I got you. I got you. So we'll say we'll say a top two moment for Sam. Yeah, the, but the um the thing that I liked about, you know, Zemo's going off on his whole, you know, ideas, but then he shoots back at him. He's like, yeah, I think he says something like, isn't that what gods say? 
um, you know, when, when like, isn't, is Zemo's ideas also a supremacist ideal as well? It's in a way it is. It's like, uh, I, I mean, heck we were talking about X-Men earlier. I, I feel like it's kind of similar to X-Men in that, um, he's afraid of not only the other, but afraid that the other is stronger. So like in X-Men arc, you always have people who are, um, homo sapien, afraid of homo superior of the mutants. And I think that it's just an inherent fear that an, an evolutionary or weeding out natural selection would occur to anybody who's not super soldier. Wow. You like, I didn't, I haven't even thought about that. Like, you know, uh, you got professor X and, and, and Magneto going at it with, you know, Carly and Sam. And then you have Zemo who's basically Trask who makes like the, you know, oh my gosh, what are the the huge robots in the uh, Sentinels? Sentinels, right? Yeah. Matt got that. Good job. Um, <laughs> like creating Sentinels, whereas he's killing you know these these super soldiers. Like that's like wow. That, thank you for that. Was so like holy crap. <laughs> that put everything into perspective into a nice neat little box. Um, something I've been thinking about as we've been talking about supremacists and supremacist ideals. I feel like we tend to think of supremacists as people who are operating from a position of power, somebody who looks down on somebody. Um, but I think you could be supremacist if you are the other person, the person who's being downtrodden, right? So at least to me, I, supremacy is just you thinking you're better than somebody else for whatever reason. And so, um, man, I forgot the question, dude. Just is, is, Zemo's, is, is Zemo's ideals a supremacist idea as well? I think so. And I think Gary hit it on the head. Part of it is like the, we can say, jealousy, fear, um, of the other being stronger, the other being able to operate from a position of power that's going to directly impact you. Um, I do. And I didn't, when you had first asked this question before we started recording, I was like, I don't really think so. Um, but the, the more, and Zemo might not even recognize it to be honest himself. Um, but I think you start digging deeper into his ideals, why he wants to rid the super soldiers on the surface. I think I kind of agree with him to be honest. Um, but yeah, deep down, I think it's, we don't want these group of people for fear of them taking over, abusing us, abusing their power, whatever. Um, and yeah, I, I think uh, it leads to him being a supremacist if we're comparing homo, homo sapiens to homo, homo, homo superiors, right? Yeah. Is that right. the term? Yeah, yeah that was freaking awesome. And speaking about that, like Madripoor, like we haven't really you know touched on it a whole lot, but if, if you are a huge X-Men fan that city is madly important it's it's kind of like the way i'm taking it i don't think it's more than just the fact that they introduced the city it's like in wandavision where everyone was like they would they would get like a like a wink and a nod at something and then be like oh it's mephisto like i think it's i don't think x-men are gonna come flying out of Majapur. but if you've read the comics you know that wolverine's been in Majapur a hundred times you know that, that like there's a lot of things that go on in that city that that are heavily influenced when it comes to x-men comics I just think it's Kevin Feige throwing a little wink and a nod at us saying, hey, like X-Men's exist. Here's a city that we know that they exist in. Is the wink and the nod going to end in a boner joke? Because you know I have a soft spot for the boner jokes. <laughs> My question was just, is it a wink and a nod to you? Or do you think this is going to result in something X-Men related? Because as of now in the MCU, mutants don't exist, right? As far as we know. Okay, so this is we have this is another question that I kind of think is a really good segue tie-in is 
we're going to talk about Dr. Nagel, but I think it also ties into this X-Men idea is Dr. Nagel brings up a really good idea about how the super soldier serum hadn't happened during those five years because he got snapped. And it's a crazy concept to think about what was being worked on in, you know, the whole world that didn't get completed because someone got snapped. Like Marvel, I think it, I think it is such a cool concept that Marvel is like, yo, like I, I think it's an easy throwaway thing. Like, oh, they they got snapped and they got back. But it, it, I think they did a really good job with like being like, you know, we thought about this. Like he was working on it. Dude got snapped. Now he's back, and that's why they made it. I think WandaVision showed us that uh, Marvel is going to intentionally tell stories around and about the blip. So Monica disappearing and coming back. Um, Dr. Nagel having his resource stop short, by the way, I feel really bad for that guy. He, he, he was, he was like a genius and then he just gets, gets capped. Um, it sucked. Um, that, uh, oh shoot, what else? Um, but I just think Marvel has shown that like, we are going to talk about the world. Oh, um, the flag smashes and how their whole motto or whatever is like, we want to return the world to the way it was pre blip. Right. Uh, or just like during blip, during blip. During blip is right. Um, I think Marvel is like that because that would be such a significant world event. And it's something I feel like as fans, we shrugged off during the Infinity series because it happened in the comics. Something that, you know, we we knew, I guess, was going to happen or was an option. But Marvel is like, no, the world completely changed in those five years. People's ideals, um, the experiments that were taking place, the things the world knows, the things the world knows now that people have come back, like. It's a super massive event in this universe, and I think Marvel has shown that um, they are really invested in that storyline. And you said, like, I feel like we blew it off with, you know, um, Infinity War and Endgame and kind of in Spider-Man Far From Home, but I think that's because they, you know, like, that's focusing on, like, all the heroes, whereas here we're just kind of focusing on, you know, side side B character people. But to go, like, to, to talk about, like, why the Nagel thing is important with X-Men... Because I think the blip is going to be how they introduce the X-Men. Like, I think there's going to be, you know, something. I think that's how they're going to use it as a way to introduce what's going on. Either that or Doctor Strange of the Multiverse. It's it's one of those two things. But I, I do think, like, that is how, you know, Kevin Feige is going to be like, oh, like because everyone's going to question, like, where have the X-Men been the whole time? And be like, oh, well, like, something was happening, but then it got blipped. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of launching points for X-Men. I I mean, they could... I think they're going to do teasers of X-Men and Doctor Strange because otherwise our minds will melt because it's going to have already multiple Spider-Men. So, like, that alone... And if you add in X-Men, like, there's only so much you can do before people can't safely get up from their seats, okay? <laughs> and the seats will all be wet. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, people will literally come in the theaters. If X-Men and multiple Spider-Man are in yeah. that movie, I'm telling you right now, they're going to have to close that theater down. <laughs> On opening night, the seats will be ruined. So... We got, you know, a, a few more questions, and I think these are kind of more of, like, heady questions than actual TV show questions, and then we'll go into some concepts. But first one, and I, I'm curious, I don't really have an answer, but I just, you know, I, I'm wondering, what does the shield represent for you guys? Uh, that's, it. it re, re, to me, it represents um, Steve Rogers, um, ideally. But it also 
but that includes who Steve Rogers is completely. And part of Steve as a character is knowing that he was rooted in, you know, he was rooted in government propaganda. Like, that's inherently why he was around. Um, so it does symbolize that. It symbolizes his heroism, all the great things he did. And then it also symbolizes who he is as a person. So you got all aspects in there. You got all aspects in this show. It's, I mean, hell, the shield itself has now become a nuanced character in itself. Even with the end of the fourth episode, for sure. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I think it represents Steve Rogers to me when I see it. Think of Steve, who he is as a person, um, his beginning, which something I didn't think about his original story is what um, Gary had just said about the whole purpose of Steve Rogers was like propaganda for a country. So he, the shield, Captain America, that whole idea wasn't rooted in the justice and heroism that we see Steve Rogers for. It was rooted as a way for America um, to boost morale topple the nazis and i guess hydra uh in the in the in the in the same breath but um 100 steve rogers the justice he embodies um the selflessness he embodies and then to me it is the symbol of the avengers so after the avengers um i guess after endgame and they kind of won but then um tony dies and everyone is kind of off doing their own things and they're all kind of down bad wanda was in a really bad place wandavision falcon winter soldier like on the run sharon is maybe the power power broker but she's often madripoor like not doing what she was supposed to do the shield to me represents i almost said shield but what the avengers represent and it's proof that like we need them um they are good and we can trust them to me so i don't have like a great eloquent answer that you guys just gave but one of the things i keep on thinking about is how in my writing classes right now um they keep on stressing that you should have you know a symbol or like an object that can also express a lot of the themes that you're trying to express and i think the shield does that perfectly for this show like there's a lot of themes that gary you just brought up and like not only like are they like expressing that through the people but that shield does the same exact thing um and it's just an object that people can you know kind of relate to and kind of you know look to to you know as it progresses throughout the show so that's just my kind of idea so this question the idea of like the shield representing to you what does it represent or whatever was this something you guys ever thought about i would say pre-falcon winter soldier um or was it something that kind of hit you once Steve was gone? Because personally, it didn't really hit me until Steve was gone. Um, maybe because Steve was always Captain America and he just can't separate the two, maybe. Um, but that's something that didn't really hit me until I saw Johnny Walker. Please tell me that's his name and I didn't butcher it. Is it I think it's just John Walker. It's John Walker. Johnny Walker is the whiskey. Same thing. <laughs> so Mortal Kombat character who has the shadow kick. Do you guys know who that is? Is that Johnny Cage? That's Johnny Cage. Oh, okay, that's what I'm thinking. No, no, I've got that's you. Okay. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it wasn't until I saw John Walker with the shield that like I kind of got the shivers and I was like, oh, that just doesn't look right. He just doesn't represent what it is uh, that I see. <laughs> what? I said the same exact thing when we were watching with Gary in the fourth episode when John Walker walks up to someone. I think it's I think it's the um uh. Dora Milaje, and uh, I probably said that wrong, sorry. Um, uh, but when he's like, I'm John Walker, I'm Captain America. And I was like, he just, it just sounds wrong him saying that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I didn't have the impact with the shield until Steve passed. And it's just like, 
this character is gone. And that's what it signifies to me. Uh, it signifies the, like, the hole in the MCU that's left by that character being gone. Because, um, I mean, hell, like, Steve in Infinity War mostly fought with those dope things that Wakandans gave him. Like, those black shield deals. And, like, he didn't even have the shield. And I didn't care because those things were dope. You know? So, uh, this the shield really doesn't have that impact until, like, he's dead. And everyone's like, well, shoot. What do we do now? I like coming up with these awesome questions and then not having a good answer for them. <laughs> Speaking of uh, coming up with questions and not having a good answer, um, I think I'll have one for this one. But if you were offered the serum, would you take it? And what would you do with it? Absolutely. I'd take it twice. It's actually where I thought uh, John Walker was going when he took the second one. I was like, he's going to freaking, I almost said it again, he's going to freaking double dose. That's what I would do. I would take two. Um, and just go bananas. Don't worry, I'm not picking on people. But um, so I, I work in hotels, right? Customer service, front desk. A lot of people come through my way that need to get punched through a wall, um, and that's what I would do with it. I take the serum. People try me. They won't try me again. <laughs> I would definitely take it uh, for sure. And then, and then, and then I start thinking about like all the awful traits that I have. I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I want that exemplified. But then I would still take it and just like be like this fat basketball player or football player and just dunking on dudes and whatnot. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone in their right mind would say no, which adds into the anti-Falcon uh, debate. Because the man who would immediately say no, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, you're like, why would you say no to like superpowers, a hot bot, and probably a bigger penis? I mean, like you get the whole gambit there. He... He said no one way too fast, probably because he already has it. And we just don't know. But I also, I think we hit that factor in the fact that like Isaiah has it, uh, the other black super soldier who you know was getting mistreated for you know whatever was going on. And True, so it does come with that like everyone's following you and mis- going to mistreat you possibly kind of thing. Right, and so I think that's where his like him saying no, I don't want that because I don't want to have what happened to you know. You know what happened to him, but I also think that it's really crazy that he was like, no. <laughs> For sure. Being in like 1950s, what I wanted, no, I'm not going to get the respect I deserve in 2021. Being a black man myself, I wish a cop would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we'll, we'll leave that in there, okay? Yeah, Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I feel like anyone in their right mind would take the serum. Like, it, like, come on. It's, but it does have the idea of you can amplify all the bad effects, effects. And we're, we're seeing that in John Walker literally right away at the end. But we might get to that a little bit later. Can I ask a question then? Did Steve Rogers just have such virtuous effects and such virtuous values that like, there wasn't really anything bad to exemplify. So I, based on what you guys are saying, and actually I completely forgot that line in the original Captain America, that the serum exemplifies who you truly are. That inherently in itself isn't bad though, right? Like, unless you're bad. So I don't personally right now think John Walker's a bad person. 
I, think, I know he's a bad guy. No, yeah, and so I don't know the comics, guys. I didn't know he's in there. He's, he's bad. Oh, I mean, the end of episode four, he kind of makes him a bad guy. Well, it, even then, that's that's uh, an enemy combatant. So let's say morally gray area, you know. And and as a he, soldier, it would not be necessarily. He had the opportunity to stop and just you know tie him up and go on with his day. He did not have to go to the extreme. That I he don't did. know when you're with throwing hands with the super soldier there, like all's on the table. If and you're coming, you're talking about a guy come from Afghanistan, okay? Like I, I wouldn't even would I consider that completely like for sure objectively evil? No. Do I think he's evil? Yes. Um, but I think Matt's entirely right. Like having it amplify human traits isn't necessarily a bad thing. Depends on the traits. Depends on the traits. It, they just happen to lock out the first time having someone who is like worthy of lifting Mjolnir. You know, like if it was some, if it was just Steve and we didn't see that scene, I'd be like, okay, like he's got some dark stuff in him probably because he's a human being. But he was able to lift the hammer as this mortal dude. Like they just locked out. Like that, they just didn't didn't give it to some asshole. No, and I think that's why they spent a lot of time, or that doctor spent a lot of time trying to find the perfect person. And you know, uh, and then you know, the first Captain America movie, they spent a significant amount of time trying to show how you know Steve is this exemplary dude who you know fits all these this criteria to be you know the best soldier that he could be. But is it time to move on to some really cool things that we keep on skipping around? And I, I love that he broke dude's neck with the shield. I don't think that was that bad. I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, let's get into this. Cause this is, I think that scene, I think Marvel did such a great job of just like camera angle from, from like him kicking him down to the step to like him bringing the shield to the final, like him having it, holding, it, hoisting it up, and then like you seeing the blood on the shield. Like, I don't know what the correct film terminology is, but like, holy crap, did they make that scene so like just? I don't even know how like what I'm saying right now, but like it it, it was so good, and like Marvel just needs to keep on doing that stuff over and over again. After talking to you guys about the scene. I like it much more. I will say, having watched episodes three and four back to back, um, and mind you, I've only seen them once, Sharon walking through and mowing down hundreds of dudes in the previous episode, to me, was, was much more brutal than that. I was expecting to see the body, to see the neck broken, couple broken bones in the neck. Um, I didn't think it was that brutal. But having talked to you guys about it, it honestly was incredible. Blood splatter is really great. The um, shot frame, again, I don't know the technical term, of his arm laying on the steps. And you see this blood just pouring down from the fingers. Absolutely incredible. I think the word that I was going for is like the scene's poignant. Like it's, 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 it exemplifies kind of like this contrast between like what is Captain America supposed to be? And then like you see like the blood on the shield and you've never, I can't remember a single time that there's ever been blood on the shield. And it's like, it, it's almost like tainting what Captain America stands for and what that shield stands for. Literally stole the word from my from my head, I guess. I was like, I guess the shield is tainted. Like, I don't ever remember seeing blood on it, even though Cap was, you know, Olympic 
shot putting that thing into dude's faces um we've never seen the blood taint that she shield that way and it was a bunch and you know it wasn't one blow i mean he was chopping away at his neck yeah and well even cap has killed people i mean he was a soldier you see in the first captain america he does kill people but it's kind of like okay this is a terrible metaphor guys so i'm gonna warn you ahead of time but it's the best that comes to mind um so like if you're watching like Game of Thrones or a movie or whatever, there's sex scenes in there and you're like, it's it's normal. It's a sex scene in, in Game of Thrones. But if you walk in on your parents having sex, you're like, this is not okay. This is not right. Uh, this These are my parents. This is not okay. Like if you saw a random soldier like in a, in even in the same TV show, brutally kill someone, you'd be like, okay, like this happens. But... Watching Captain America brutally kill someone is like watching your parents have sex. It is just not right. <laughs> I am so excited that people get to listen to this now and now can to think about their parents having sex and how it's like Captain America killing someone. Gary is on fire tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Live with that image, guys. No, but I think you're I think you do bring up a good point, and especially having everyone there filming it and you know, just that's what got me because that's the point where I'm like, oh, this kills the mythos of Cap. You know, like he he finally like screwed the pooch there. And then this is, and I think it also does. I think this. I haven't read the comics on John Walker, uh, but he's always been a poor man, Steve. Um, or yeah, I think I said that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Sometimes I just say words and then I think about what I actually said. So I'm I'm sure if you're a fan of, I'm sure if you're a fan of this podcast you like recognize that by now anyway. But I think this scene like gives Marvel movies or whatever the TV show the the like I guess leeway to say like oh like he's going to be, you know, just poor man Steve now like he's going to have the super soldier serum but he's never going to be, you know, this this great Steve Rogers, he's going to be John Walker, U.S. agent, you know, just a just a crony that works for the government now. Yep, that's real. And even though Captain America started as American propaganda, Captain America, Steve Rogers, eventually represented way more than that. And so I agree with you, Gary. When I saw the cameras come out, that's when I was like, ooh, you got in trouble. <laughs> it's like, this is going to be a problem afterward. If there was no one in the square and he just killed him, yes, I think to fans we would have been like, you know, ah, tainted the shield and like, you'll never be Cap. Um, but seeing the people there, them filming, knowing that that's going to get around – Captain America screwed guys. Also, going off of that, if you're a person who goes online and attacks the actor for playing a character, just go offline. Don't do it. If you are, um, actually follow us at Pop Wars Podcast <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> no, for real though. Like, there's no place for you to attack an actor for playing a character. I get you like Steve Rogers and what he represented, and he means a lot to you. But he's just playing a freaking character. There's no reason to send a person death threats. Guys, I didn't send the actress who played Dolores Umbridge death death threats. So we can relax on those. And we all know she's the worst villain ever (laughs) in movies. Want to punch that woman so bad. But I didn't send her a death threat. Just give her the smoke when I see her in person. (laughs) All right. So 
do we got any other okay what so now we're just gonna go through some concepts or not even concepts like scenes that really stuck out to us one of them was when bucky and sam are just watching uh the girls from wakanda fight of lamar and <laughs> jump in and john, not me and john walker and like and then like, you know bucky finally jumps in and like she like finger like hits the chakra points or whatever and like his arm just falls off i'm like dang (laughs) (laughs) what what was it what character did you uh compare that to uh was it no it wasn't ty lee it's it's ty lee it's ty lee because may is zuko's girlfriend yeah ty lee Lee from avatar (laughs) with just like the chakra Chakra point she's like nedging that dude's arm Shout out to the best character of Naruto of all time, Neji Huga, the only one to die. Yeah, she ate, she ate Trigram 64, palmed his shit, and it just dropped to the floor. Thought that scene was incredible. Um, I loved that John Walker acknowledged that, like, oh, damn, they're just regular humans, and I got my stuff rocked. Shows how strong they were. Absolutely loved the scene. Um, I loved when... Anya approaches Bucky before that whole fight. Aya. <laughs> Thank you. Aya, there's no N in there. Um, and like Wakandans typically don't ask twice, but she gave him an option. She gave him eight hours, right? She was like, I'm here for Zemo. It's the first thing she said. And because it was you and because of our history, like you have eight hours before we come and take him by force. It's because loved it. they be in the sack together. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that the words to activate his serum were the safety words? <laughs> <laughs> All 19? She has to go through 19 before he stops choking her shit? <laughs> All right. <laughs> For justice being like, I can't transition this. Moving on. Speaking of, you know, weird-ish. Um, Can I mention one more scene yeah, before we moved on? Yeah, yeah. scene that I freaking loved was... Um, I almost called her. Oh, yeah. um, Carly calling Sarah, I think, Sam's sister. Mm. Um, because we have seen that scene before play out in movies where I'm going to call the loved one of the person I'm beefing with and let them know how scary I am and that I have their number. Carly, I thought, played it so cool. I think it showed how much Sam really got to her, how much Sam meant to her in that scene. Um, she was talking to Sarah very calmly and almost like a friend. And I think she genuinely wanted to know, do I have to kill him or not? Um, you know, is he, is he, can I believe him or can I not? I just love that she was genuinely prying for that information from a family member. Um, and then of course, as all bad guys do, she had to slip in at the end. Like, yeah, I know you're out on your dock and your two sons are in there. So don't do anything crazy. Um, I just thought the way they wrote that was really well and unique. Good scene. And it gave me chills too. I, I like, I felt bad. And, um, so awkward transition, but, uh, one of the scenes that stuck out to me is the fact that Turkish delight seems to be one of the like candies in every single universe <laughs> or story where kids do weird things when they get introduced to that. I've had it. It's good. It's um, it, it didn't make me want to, you know, like become a terrorist or, you know, kill my family to like give them to a witch or anything. But like, it is pretty damn good, dude. Like don't knock it till you try it. You've tried it, right? Justice. Uh, I didn't have whatever class um, you were thinking of where she brought okay. it Okay, story time. So Justice and I were in the fifth grade together. We did all our schooling together. And um, in the fifth grade, my teacher brought us Turkish Delight because we're reading um, the line, the witch, and the wardrobe. She's like, I want you to try it or whatever. 
Gary, speak to yourself. I was ready to murder somebody after I had some. I thought it was really, really good. If my teacher had said, I will give you more if you go, I don't know, slap a random person in the other fifth grade class, would have slapped two. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess it affects others more. <laughs> um, You guys got anything else that you really want to... Uh, well, I just would like to... Like, let's finish out with just some general thoughts here. Um, we're talking, I think the natural thing is we're, everyone's going to compare this to WandaVision. They're the first two Marvel shows to come out. Um, before, I think in our last episode, I mean, I definitely know we were both talking about this. We were kind of leaning towards like, hey, we kind of like WandaVision more that based off of the track the first two episodes were going on. Um but do you guys think that this is holding up in comparison? How do you feel this kind of bridges the gap between maybe fans who weren't super into WandaVision? Um, what's kind of your thoughts comparing the two? I think if you're a longtime Marvel fan, uh, you love it. Um, unless you're really burnt out by it, then maybe you like WandaVision more. But for like me, after watching the fourth episode, I think I like it more than WandaVision. It's got, the, it's got similar depth that we saw in one division, but also the action and um, you know character development that we normally don't see in Marvel movies. I think the depth is key for agreeing with the statement that I think I may like this more than WandaVision. It's tough because there were what nine or ten episodes of WandaVision that you know I binged um, and got to watch, but the depth and character development I think is really really good. Um, it is more versatile and unique a show than I thought. Like you had said earlier, Gary, I was like, this is going to be sort of hack and slash, beat em up, tons of action, semi-spy semi thriller, but no, ton of depth in these characters, ton of trauma to work through and deal with, ton of different character, what's the word I'm looking for, um, interactions and um, dynamics um, to go through. It's really, really good. I am never surprised when Marvel, though, releases something really good. I just think they've got an amazing team over there. And it's really nice that they have, they're really pushing into the blip, and there's just like answering a lot of questions I think fans wanted to know post blip that WandaVision didn't answer. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't sold on Falcon and Winter Soldier until that fourth episode, because that's when they really expanded things a lot more for me to be more than just a, I, I'm not content with it just being a we need to replace Cap storyline or a like Sam stepping up to the mantle storyline. And that's what the first few episodes were for me. It was just that. Um, it got interesting when they added in the super soldier and kind of Bucky's trauma and Wakanda with Zemo and it got more intricate and it felt like it encompassed more of the whole MCU like as a universe. Um I still, I find it more entertaining now, at least after that fourth episode. I think that there's more to offer in entertainment-wise in WandaVision. I just appreciate WandaVision more for what it did. It created an MCU thing that was not in that formula. It let the MCU get weird. And we like we discuss in our comic of the week all the time, comics are super weird. So I appreciate WandaVision more, I think, than Falcon and Winter Soldier, even though I've grown to like really buy into the series now. And I think it would be a shame if we didn't bring up release the Zemo cut. And we're really glad that they did. I don't know if you guys know this, but Marvel released like an hour of Zemo just dancing in the, the, the club in the third episode. 
I I didn't like I didn't watch the episode until actually today that we're recording. So I saw the memes about Zemo dancing, and I'm like expecting it to be this like wild, funny scene, and it's literally just two seconds of him just like shuffling. And I'm like, I appreciate it, but I thought there was more. <laughs> I'm seeing that. Yeah, that's why people fans wanted more. They, were they wanted for more, it. like to see the clips. They are they're. Just like that awkward, they're like an awkward dad dance, but like with a little bit more swagger. Loving Zemo all the more because I wasn't the biggest fan of him when he was introduced in what movie? Was Civil it? War. Thank you. Um, I also didn't know he was in the comics, so I kind of thought he was a side character when they brought him back here. I was like, eh, I'm not the biggest fan of Zemo. Episode three made me a Zemo fan, and now I have to go find these dancing vids. Yeah, I'm actually reading a lot of the king and black tie-ins and there's a bunch of zemo uh stuff going on in it too so that's 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 been pretty cool seeing him in the pop up in the comics speaking of comics gary i think it's it's time for a glorious moment we mentioned sticky movie theater seats well compare prepare to feel the same situation for the greatest segment to ever grace the podcast earlobes comic of the week guys we're gonna talk about king and black we're gonna talk about venom 34 and king and black 5 and if you haven't been reading this stuff go and read it i guess but i'm gonna walk i'm gonna try to walk through what happens it's it's hard to explain but i just gotta say and i'm sorry and i'm preface this here comes a swear word it's fucking good here comes the swear word. He's saying that because he's saying, hey, I'm not going to do the extra work of editing and a Wookiee noise this time, guys. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm just saying, like, it brought a tear to my eye, multiple tears. I, and I tried to make sure I avoided the comic because, you know, you, I want to keep it nice and precious. But this story is good. It brought multiple tears to one eye. You're just crying out the one? All the eyes. All the eyes. <laughs> I, I mean, she. he was just like Amaterasuing it and like it was just bleeding out. I, I, I just had to do another Naruto reference. <laughs> so with Venom 34, kind of you know, a little backstory. Venom, or Eddie Brock died. Um, he's <laughs> Wow, starting on a big spoiler well, no, that was that was that was in venom 3 he died, he died it, it was he but died. for people who haven't read or are waiting for the trade you ass you didn't know that <laughs> i knew he died okay but. yeah screw you so he's currently in like the since he is a codex which we've talked about in the past he's currently like in this like mindscape the hive that null runs and so there's this beginning conversation where venom uh, or Eddie Brock, sorry, not Venom. Eddie Brock and Noel are talking, and Noel's kind of like, "I already defeated you. I don't know why you're still trying." And Eddie's like, "I don't know either," but he does anyway. And it ends up, it gets to a point where, in the last issue, um, we have Flash Thompson, who is also a previous owner of the Venom costume uh gained like a bunch of powers and he's able to kind of break free from the null mindscape and he kind of gets out during the same time i'm gonna say a lot of stuff and you guys gonna be like okay just kind of nod so whatever um <laughs> the the venom suit which doesn't really have a name finds eddie 
and he's got these really cool like powers and he's got blue on this on his like chest it looks really cool and and big ass wings yes well he got wings in the third he got wings like a while ago but comic but there's got wings after he died guys well no he got (laughs) wings in the the third venom thing by by donny cates and so like the venom suit finds eddie in the hive mind space and Noel's kind of like freaking out because he doesn't want those two to bond back together. And you got this really amazing scene where Noel's like in the background screaming no. And, you know, you got the famous line with Eddie and Venom saying, we are Venom. And it's it's really awesome. I love it. Now that he's got this power, he's kind he's able to break out of this hive space and go back to the real world. Um, and by doing that he like makes himself like two stories tall and he's this really huge venom and you're showing us this like two page spread that's just so dope i'll show you a spread um <laughs> anyway uh so him benny or eddie you know goes and tells flash to go find his body that's buried and that's going to be a key thing like for the later of the issue and Eddie with his him being him his big self goes to find Noel um and during that time the how do i explain this so one of the things that Donnie has teased this whole series is that with everything that there's with every dark thing there's a light and there's a God of the symbiotes who's the darkness, but there's also a God of the light. That's also a symbiote as well. And during the time that he breaks out of this hive scape and he's like this two story, you know, tall building, the God of the light, you know, symbiote bonds to Eddie and, and Eddie is, you know, freaking out. He's scared. He's kind of like losing his powers that the venom, the venom suit gave him. And, as like the venom suits leaving him, he's like, you have to trust me. Let this light, you know, take over you. And, um, he lets it take over and he, I'm not really going to get into it. It, it, it's the enigma, enigma for ignim, ah, enigma. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You got this. Enigma. It's enigma. 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 It's enigma. Enigma. Oh my gosh. Enigma. <laughs> I'm not gonna try. Oh wait, wait, wait! I said one it. more time. Ignig- no. <laughs> no, we're gonna try. It's whatever. It's 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 a force. Whatever. Uh, I'm not gonna say what I wanted to say there. Right. Keep going. Anyway. Me neither. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it ends with this this light bonding to Eddie and Flash going to find his grave, and he like you know, takes the powers that he has and goes into the ground and his body, you know, resurrects. And that's the end of Venom 34, which is really cool. Um, there's, I, I believe, I think Donnie is going to do a really awesome story with Flash Thompson now. Um, but we're going to end this, end this with King in Black number five. Question for you, though. Yeah, do you up? think we're going to have two Venoms, a light and a dark now, now that Flash has found Eddie's body? In no, 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 no. Flash found his own body. Flash found Flash's body. Yes, Flash in the Flash in the mindscape. Flash in the mindscape went and broke out 
and found his own body and rose Just, himself from the grave. Don't worry about it. It's my yeah, last yeah, question. Don't yeah, worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it I'm okay, this you, is like this is comics. the plot of Insidious. This is then. comics. Yeah. All right, comics, y'all. Anyway, King and Black 5, this is where I really want to talk about. I was like, man, I got to explain Venom 34 <laughs> so I can explain King and Black 5. Because how the fu- how the heck is he gonna get? Um, you already <laughs> swore, dude. <laughs> how the heck is he gonna get like this god of light thing? So I wanted to kind of explain that. Anyway, this is where the cool stuff happens. Sorry that I'm spoiling it for you, Gary. You haven't read it yet, but Silver Surfer approaches Null and is like, "Let's fight!" And he changes his surfboard into a big ass silver sword, and Null's like. You don't want to do this, little guy. Like we've already done this before. We've already fought. Like I can, I, you know, I'm, I can kill you. And Silver Surfer's like, that's cool. It's not just me. It's all these other heroes. And then Captain America says, "Avengers assemble." And there's like Wolverine, Blade, Storm, Spider Man, Jean Grey, like Cyclops. All these people running towards Noel. And Noel's kind of like, I don't know why you guys keep on trying. But then Eddie with the God of Light forms right or like pops up right in front of them and he's like it's okay guys like i got this i'm gonna fight no myself and they're and he looks freaking cool he he's got like his eyes are flaming his his white or you know how like he normally has the white symbiote suit yep. or symbol it's flaming red and and noel's just kind of like we've done this already before i don't know why you keep on trying and noel's like no i got this all right sorry eddie's like i got this i don't know like you you like kind of like going on like I know you think you don't like you beat me but it, it's okay like you don't know what, I, what the power I have now yeah. and he takes Milnir Thor's hammer and Silver Surfer's board and he forms a battle axe that looks like a Venom symbiote and it's this big glowing red axe and I will flip to the next page to show you guys but look at this. Look at this axe. That is really dope. Yes. I don't even have words. That's incredible. So he forms this axe, and and Eddie's like, let's go. And so the next, you know, however many panels, Noel and him are just fighting. And let me just say, guys, you know, Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, they lived up to the hype. They, they did it. Uh, they, you know, Frank Martin and... JP Mayer, you know, did a really good job. Those guys, Carlos and Inkers, did an amazing job of, you know, bringing us this story. Because at the end, I was like, how are they going to, you know, show a really cool fight? Because we know that Eddie's going to win. Um, and so Noel's being a little chicken and sends, you know, the rest of the, like, the, the dragons that have been flying around after him. And Eddie takes his big axe and just cuts off, like, all these dragon heads. It's really cool. And finally, like, Noel, Noel takes out, like, the, the necromance sword, the all-black sword, and Eddie touches it with his hand. He's like, no, like, no more. And it, like, disintegrates. <laughs> and, and, and so then finally, like, Noel and Eddie are just, like, keep on, they keep on fighting. Noel sends a celestial at Eddie, and he just cuts off its head with this, with this battle axe. It's really freaking cool. And so then finally, Noel, or uh, Eddie takes Noel, up to the Empire State Building, like he did in this, like like Noel did with Eddie in the second issue, and with the battle axe, he rips off Noel's you know symbiote, and he goes, "You remember what you did to me?" And then he drops him. That's awesome. <laughs> from, That's so great. From the Empire State Building, it is so cool. And then he proceeds to shoot him 
into outer space and takes him to the sun and like shoves him into the sun and that's how he like dies quote unquote and um and then so like that's the end of the null fight and that's like what i was kind of hoping for but then donnie did this a really amazing thing where he's always got these like father-son moments he really loves and cherishes them and um and we know that dylan which is eddie's son has been you know he's got these powers that originated from null so the the last thing that he does is he goes back to earth and like dylan is still like this angry like he's trying to like fight for the good side but he's got like this like angry power in him and Noel uses like or sorry eddie uses his powers to like rip out that power and like crush it so there's no more null and it's like this really touching moment he's like i know it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt me and like they and then they hug and cry after and um then basically the end of the comic is the the remaining symbiotes recognize eddie as like the champion as like their god now and eddie becomes the king in black it's it's a dope way to end like venom king black all of that stuff um Noel's got to come back eventually because oh, it yeah. is comics. Oh yeah, there there was a there was um someone was tweeting at you know Donnie. I follow them on Twitter, so I kind of see like you know people are always asking him questions, and Twitter's a great way if like you don't understand something in a comic, someone's probably asked a question, and Donnie does a pretty good job of responding. And one of them was like, "Noel's coming back, right?" And and Donnie was like, "We'll see." Like dot dot dot, and then and then someone responded with like um you know with every like even in the light there's always darkness and then like that so like he's coming back guys he's gonna be like carnage basically yeah he he, it's it's a really he's a really cool villain i mean his every time he's depicted it just looks awesome on page he looks like dracula with like made 90s (laughs) (laughs) so dracula for a spawn fan yes (laughs) which that's exactly like what donnie would love too so yeah it's, it's perfect well, hey, that was our comic of the week. Well, I'd like to thank you, Matt, for joining us on the show here today. It's nice bringing an old friend of Justice on just to hang out with us. Thanks, guys. I had such a blast. This was awesome. Uh, invite me back. I'm down to talk comics, talk TV shows anytime. You, you don't want any socials? You know when people come checking you out? No. understandable but speaking of socials where can they find us justice you find us on twitter which we're not very active at the moment it's no podwars podcast um you know guys we got you know when we get paid big monies to do this podcast then we'll uh we'll be doing a lot but we got real life stuff so um you take what you get. <laughs> like, like I mentioned last week. Like, actually, I don't, I, I don't know where that train of thought was going, dude. And that's why we don't get paid for this podcast. <laughs> and on that note, have a good week. <laughs>